WNYV, Whitehall, Glens Falls. It's 8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Thursday, January 4th. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Governor Kathy Hochul wants to make fundamental changes to how reading is taught in New York schools. There was this idea about 20 years ago. They thought, hey, there's a whole different way of learning. Why don't we just put kids in a room with books and they'll figure it out? Do you think that's very smart? More details coming up. Communities throughout the North Country are grappling with short-term rentals. Plattsburgh decided to create a registry that sets standards and requires property inspections, but some are concerned about enforcement. That's not a hurdle, nor should it be a hurdle, uh, to put something in place, which there's nothing in place right now. So the alternative, do nothing or do a little bit of something and start to chip away at, uh, at a regular solution that makes sense for everybody. Also, restoration work recently wrapped up along the Osable River to strengthen it against the impacts of climate change, plus music and conversation with Johnsburg singer-songwriter Sven Kurth. Do your living with your working because there's no guarantee there will be a tomorrow. So, you know, everybody has to work. Everybody's got to make a living. But, uh, you know, you got to take advantage of the spaces you have when you, when you can. All of that and more is coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by AdirondackExplorer.com and AdirondackAlmanac.com presenting daily updated news on public policy, environmental issues, and local communities in the Adirondack Park. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. Governor Hochul yesterday announced plans to fundamentally change how reading is taught in New York schools. She says the changes would help more children succeed. Karen DeWitt reports. The governor, speaking to fourth graders at an elementary school located outside Albany, says if lawmakers accept her proposal, all schools in the state would teach young children to read using evidence-based, scientifically proven techniques. This new method is actually similar to the older phonics-based system. That teaches reading by decoding the letters and the sounds in the words first. That fell out of favor about two decades ago, as more educators adopted the whole language approach, which teaches the entire word based on its context. Hochul says the newer method has resulted in poorer reading comprehension skills for children. She wants to return to what she calls the Back to Basics initiative. There was this idea about 20 years ago. They thought, hey, there's a whole different way of learning. Why don't we just put kids in a room with books and they'll figure it out? Do you think that's very smart? No. It's kind of what they're talking about. I mean, they, they de-emphasize phonics-based learning and they pushed students to learn by using contextual clues instead. I don't even know what that means. Do you know what contextual clues mean? No, let's teach us how to say the words. Let's teach the kids what they mean. And that's the difference that has not been taught. If the plan is approved by the legislature and carried out by the state education department, New York would join around 30 other states that have already mandated the switch. New York ranks in the lowest third of all states in fourth grade reading proficiency. 
Jean Lance, who has taught elementary school for over three decades, her students sat in attendance for the announcement, says her school in the Watervliet City School District has already implemented the change. She says it's made a difference. We as teachers give our students that gift by teaching them how to read. But more importantly, our students give us back that gift tenfold because we know the work that we do to teach them to read empowers them to do great things in our society. Literacy is the bridge that connects us in so many ways. Hochul says the changes could be implemented as early as next year. So by 2025, we'll start this. It's, teachers have to be re-educated, re-taught. I also want to get back to the teaching colleges as well. Say, make sure you're not teaching this either. And I think a lot of them have already shifted, but that's something we need to make sure is happening, that all the teachers, new teachers are being educated in, our, in the, uh, the basics that we're going back to. The governor also announced a proposal for a $10 million teacher training program to help with that change. She says the money could support the training of up to 20,000 additional teachers and elementary school teaching assistants. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. Washington County Court has summoned 500 potential jurors for the trial of a Hebron man accused of shooting and killing a Schuylerville woman last year. 65-year-old Kevin Monahan allegedly shot 20-year-old Kaylin Gillis as the car she was in was leaving his driveway in April 2023. She died of her injuries. Monahan is charged with second-degree murder, reckless endangerment, and tampering with physical evidence. News Channel 13 reports that the jurors will fill out questionnaires on Friday. Jury selection will start on Monday. North Country towns have been grappling with what to do about short-term rentals, whether to ban or allow them. How to balance local housing needs with potential revenue from tourists. That sag has been playing out in Plattsburgh over the last year. It's culminated in a new law that requires STR owners to register their properties. Kara Chapman has more. Over the last year, city residents who do and do not support short-term rentals listed on websites like Airbnb and Verbo have spoken out at council meetings. Opponents have called for a complete ban on STRs in residential areas. They voice concerns over safety, traffic, parking, noise, and, at a bigger level, housing. Matt Toloski of Ridgewood Drive spoke at a public hearing in December. He says an Airbnb on his street means one less residential home and a reduction to the city's housing supply. All right, it's disrupted the quality of life on my street. If you multiply that times the many Airbnbs that will come down the road in the future, the facts speak for themselves. Airbnbs reduce residential life and residential housing in Plattsburgh. Supporters say it's not true that STRs don't benefit the city. They say the rentals contribute to tax and tourism revenue and that they aren't the root cause of the city's housing shortage. Jessica Murnane co-owns the Airbnb Toloski was talking about. Here she is at a public meeting in September. To say that there's no benefit to our community by offering a functional housing environment is what I could describe as my personal favorite, transient. It's not only outlandish, but it's just a lot. A couple of city councilors have said they'd support a ban on STRs, but Mayor Chris Rosenquist pushed for what he called a more balanced approach to both address the residents' concerns and benefit the city. In early December, he introduced a law to create a short-term rental registry. It requires those who operate the rentals to obtain annual permits starting March 1st. The law also includes certain space, safety, and parking standards for the rentals and makes them subject to inspections by the city. 
During a meeting last month, War 3 Councillor Elizabeth Gibbs expressed concerns over how the new registry would be enforced, how the code enforcement officer would know an STR is in operation, what to do if a property owner fails to allow an inspection or pay a fee. It's not that I, I don't support the, the uh, idea of a rental, short-term rental registry, but I'm concerned that it doesn't really have the enforcement that we want it to, and if it becomes a law that's difficult to enforce, um, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I could support it, I guess that's Rosenquist says concerns over enforcing the short-term rental registry are no different than what the city already deals with when it has to enforce codes for other types of rental properties. Um, That's not a hurdle, nor should it be a hurdle, uh, to put something in place, which there's nothing in place right now. So the alternative is do nothing or do a little bit of something and start to chip away at, uh, at a regular solution that makes sense for everybody. The law creating the STR registry ultimately passed four votes to two. The no votes were Gibbs and Ward 1 Councillor Julie Bond, who'd previously expressed support for a ban. The council also passed a law creating a vacant building registry. That'll require owners to register buildings when they become vacant. They'll also have to submit plans to secure, demolish, or rehabilitate them. Like the STR registry, it goes into effect March 1st. Kara Chapman, North Country Public Radio, Plattsburgh City Hall. New York forest rangers rescued a hiker who fell several several hundred feet off a mountain in Essex County last month. On Tuesday, December 26, the 46-year-old woman from South Glens Falls slipped off the summit of South Dix Mountain. She fell several hundred feet down steep snow and a rock slide before grabbing a small spruce tree that prevented her from going over a cliff face. The hiker contacted rangers for help at around 5.30 p.m. Ranger Jameson Martin said he says she had an emergency blanket and was told to keep warm until rangers got there. She was terrified to go up, down, left, or right. Uh, So she basically was in place. And she said she basically just kind of wiggled there, standing on that rock, uh, using all her energy just to stay as warm as she could. I mean, even then, she's cold. The conditions were treacherous with pouring rain, soaking wet spruce tree cover, deep snow and slippery ice. Martin says recent rains had washed out the trails, leaving rotten snow. It's brutal uh, to have low 30s. It's basically what we call hypothermia weather, you know, wet, cold, just the mix of those things. It's bad combo. The rangers reached the hiker at 1.30 in the morning. They gave her warm liquids, food, and dry clothing and guided her back to the trail. The group reached the trailhead at 6.30 in the morning. Franklin County residents can recycle their Christmas trees through next week. According to the Malone Telegram, the county's soil and water district will accept discarded live trees from Saturday, January 13th. Drop-off will take place at its new location, 174 Finney Boulevard in Malone. The office will accept trees from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. The Telegram reports that residents cannot drop off fake trees and all tree stands, tinsel, lights, ornaments, decorations must be removed.
You're listening to Northern Lights right here on North Country Public Radio. It's 811. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Just ahead, music and conversation with Johnsburg musician Sven Kurth. That's coming up in just a few minutes here on Northern Light. This is music by Lucas Garrett in Glens Falls. Northern Light is supported by Cronin's Golf Resort, a regional destination for golf, dining, and lodging in the southern Adirondacks. Details at croninsgolfresort.com. Clearing skies. The Weather Service expects sunshine later this morning, this afternoon. Clear skies tonight. Highs this afternoon, low 30s, low near 20 tonight, and a mix of sun and clouds tomorrow. Twelve years ago, Hurricane Irene dumped nearly a foot of rain in the Adirondack Mountains. The storm flooded towns and ripped apart roads and bridges. One of the rivers hit hardest by Irene has since been re-engineered to handle more extreme storms brought on by climate change. The latest river restoration project wrapped up this fall in Upper Jay. Our Adirondack reporter Emily Russell toured a few other restoration sites along the Osable River a few years ago and produced this story, which first aired in 2021. There's a stretch of the Osable River near Wilmington that looks like it's out of a movie. Tall pine trees tower over one bank. On the other are these little yellow and white wildflowers, lots of greenery. This place is literally known as the Dream Mile. It's pretty gorgeous. Look, you've got a wetland and a floodplain and a river and that's my guide today, Kelly Tucker. She's the executive director of the Alsable River Association. There's a little problem. The problem's been here since about 1780. You're standing on it. It's the road. If the road wasn't here, this river could flood from time to time as rivers normally do. No big deal. But when you build roads and homes along these wild rivers, flooding becomes a problem. One that can totally upend lives here. That's exactly what happened a decade ago during Hurricane Irene. Irene's rampage is touching all parts of the region. By late Sunday, parts of Keene Valley were underwater. The Alsable jumping its banks and taking over the town. That's storm coverage from WPTZ. Irene was a massive storm. It devastated this part of the Adirondacks. But Kelly Tucker says the Alsable River had already been eroding for years. Irene just took advantage of that. There was nothing new in Irene for the river. It was just like, oh, vulnerability, I got this. The floodwaters from Irene and other storms in the past had widened the banks of the Osable. Deep pools where trout used to gather got filled up with rocks and sand. When a river gets wider and more shallow, it has a harder time moving rocks and other debris downstream. That can mean more destruction during a flood. Tucker says the Osable had become that kind of wide, shallow river after Irene. You'd see flat water. You wouldn't hear this. It was flat and still and silent. 
In 2015, a few years after Irene, the local landowners here partnered with the Osable River Association. They wanted the trout to come back. They wanted a river that could handle more flooding. So Tucker and her team got to work. Over the next three summers, a crew re-engineered this place. They dug out the middle of the river to deepen it and built up the sides to make it more narrow. They even placed huge rocks and tree stumps in really specific parts of the river. They helped direct the flow and are great habitat for fish. Now what you see standing on the banks of the Dream Mile of the Osable is what looks like a wild, free-flowing river. But Tucker says this place has human engineering all over it. Every single thing up there to the tall tree and the bend where the island is, we put here. That nice riffle, that's ours. Since Hurricane Irene, the Osable River Association has restored dozens of sites along the river. They've taken on big projects like the Dream Mile, but they've also removed dams. They've widened culverts and retrofitted bridges. Rivers like the Osable would naturally restore themselves after big floods, but that would take centuries, not just a couple summers. Tucker sees these projects as a balance between human needs and environmental realities. We want public safety. We, we like our infrastructure not to be affected so profoundly by flooding. So our response tends to be, well, what can you move and what is essential? Turns out moving rocks and riverbeds is a bit easier than moving roads and homes. Our next stop on the tour is a section of the Osable 10 miles east in Upper Jay. We're watching a big yellow like dump truck drive through the river right now. The truck sloshes through the water. It's moving dirt and rocks from the middle to the outer banks. Here too, the river had gotten wider and shallower since Irene. It actually split into two channels. Gary Henry from the Osable River Association says they're engineering it so the second channel is just used for overflow. Anything more than like your kind of average annual high flows, the water will be able to come over this and use this side channel for relief and get up onto its floodplain and dissipate some of its energy before it would go downstream and ravage some town. The kind of storms like Irene, which can ravage towns, are rare here. But climate change is changing that, and the cost to repair roads and bridges will just keep climbing. The work here on the Osable is an attempt to preempt that so that Irene-like storms or just annual spring thaws don't bring the kind of destruction that they have in the past. Kelly Tucker says they are getting there, but the work is far from over. One of the last stops on our tour is just upriver and Upper Jay, which got hit really hard during Irene. This was sort of the epicenter. The road was chewed up here in several places. Again, the river here is really wide and shallow. It's also aimed right at the road. Tucker points to the big boulders on the opposite bank. I think of that as the cannonballs aimed at a sable forks if we don't get this job done. Tucker has applied for a grant with the DEC and has backing from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. This river is still at least a decade away from where Tucker would like it to be. But she says once sites like this on the Osable are strengthened and restored, the work will pay off. The key piece to the puzzle for us has always been creating that self-sustaining stream that can reach its potential and do its own maintenance, rebuilding its native forms. But we think that that's the key. That's the low-cost key in the long run. By investing in this river now, Tucker says, 
It'll be stronger and more resilient against major storms, ones that climate change will bring to the Adirondacks in the decades to come. On the banks of the Osable River, I'm Emily Russell for North Country Public Radio. That story first aired in 2021. Listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. In just a minute, roses, unsent letters, and skepticism are all part of Sven Kurth's latest album. We'll have more in a moment. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note coming up at 842, Calcium in Eggshells. We'll find out more just ahead after the show. But first, Todd has a look at the weather for us. Clearing skies, sunshine by later this morning and this afternoon, according to the Weather Service. Had some snow showers first thing this morning, uh, highs today in the low 30s, winds out of the west, uh, 5 to 10 miles per hour, maybe an occasional higher gust, lows tonight near 20, and then tomorrow, the weather service says a mix of sun and clouds, highs near 30, cloudy skies through the weekend with a chance of snow again on Sunday. Right now, partly cloudy and uh, 17 degrees here in Canton, 21 degrees, sorry, here in Canton. Johnsburg singer-songwriter Sven Kurth says that every couple of years he puts the songs he's been writing together into an album. As Kurth states on his website, I love and hate every step of the process. But he also admits that it brings him joy when people relate to his music. That's what happened to our Todd Moe. Sven Kurth released a new album last fall and sent Todd one of the tracks, Smell the Roses. You were hooked, right, Todd? Yeah, Sven Kurth was born in Johnsburg in the southern Adirondacks. His dad was a forest ranger. He spent his high school years in the 80s in Lake Placid. He traveled and recorded five albums with his rock band, Jim. These days, he lives and writes music back in Johnsburg, and I caught up with him by phone last fall to talk about his album, Reveries, and specifically the tune, Smell the Roses. I think it started from maybe an article I read about, uh, you know, the hundred most successful people or something like that. And it just got me thinking that, um, money and wealth really shouldn't be the only metric that we measure success by. Right. So, um, kind of going down that, that exploratory road. Uh, my sister had recently had her first child and I was sort of thinking as an uncle, uh, you know, what kind of advice I might hand out, (laughs) Uh, that might be worth anything. And it just turned into a kind of snowballed piece about, you know, kind of a whole worldview and what, what success is, you know, what, what gauge do we use for that? You know, other than just finance, I mean, there's all these wealthy people on this list, but uh, are they interesting? Do they have, you know, compassion, integrity, you know, others, other important aspects of life, that kind of thing. Never like you better for 
father was a forest ranger. I already mentioned that. Um, his close friend, uh, Bill Houck, a ranger around Brant Lake area, had a quote that my dad was is very fond of repeating, which was something to the extent of, uh, do your living with your working because there's no guarantee there will be a tomorrow. So, you know, everybody has to work. Everybody's got to make a living. But, uh, you know, you got to take advantage of, of the spaces you have when you when you can. I adore the Adirondacks. I, you know, I wouldn't leave for the world. about Kester and Ricky uh, these are the two other musicians on the on the new album we used to play in a uh, bluegrass band together called uh, swimming with champy uh, out, also out of Lake Placid and um, I just recently recruited them for for this song because um, I hadn't written a lot in bluegrass genre but uh, as soon as I did have one here I obviously had to recruit the old pals so um, Kester has a long experience playing fiddle out west. Uh, she was in a, a band called Steam Plower, Steam Powered Airplane out there in Wyoming, and um, and Ricky played an upright track for me, and he was our bass player in Jim for years. So uh, yeah, they did a fantastic job, and I'm banjo and vocals and guitar and all the rest. Circumvented me. I can't quite place the point in time. A real life became a pantomime. One day we were all alive and here. The next we all just disappeared. All our faces, all our dreams. Drowned in blue light from our screens. The title of the new album is Irreveries, and I'll be honest, I had to Google the word Irreveries to kind of figure out what was going on there. So I want to let you. I don't think I don't think it is a word. I know it's uh, it's just a mishmash of irreverent and reveries. Right, (laughs) kind of um, wickedly satiric, maybe. (laughs) Maybe a little bit. I. I think the word irreverent has come up more than once in uh, descriptions of of my music, both by me and by, you know, reviews and things like that. So uh, it felt right. One of my favorite things is just uh, dabbling in different genres. So mm-hmm. I'd say if there's a theme behind this album, it's sort of a, a social critique of our modern age, you know, uh, a loss of personal interaction you know, because of this digital world and posturing and social media and all this stuff. So that's sort of, 
that's sort of an underlying theme, but I like to have a lot of fun too. And there's some darker elements and lighter elements, but uh, yeah, that's sort of the the weave of the whole thing. Being a musician, I, I mean, I've been a musician in the Adirondacks my whole life. Uh, I sort of gave up on trying to do it full stop professionally, but uh, it's got its rewards and its drawbacks. But it's kind of a <laughs> it's kind of a relentless psychotic obsession i guess that i have to keep working on so um i enjoy doing it um and uh it hasn't really paid off yet but yeah i won't hold my breath and then when someone like me writes back and says can i interview you uh, (laughs) that's when it all comes together i love that You can hear more music by Johnsburg's Sven Kurth on his website, svenkurth.com, and his interview first aired here on Northern Light last September. That's it for Northern Light for this Thursday morning. We rejoin Morning Edition in just a minute. And then this afternoon, don't forget to tune into String Fever with Barb Heller for more wonderful music, acoustic and bluegrass. That's this afternoon from 3 to 5, right here on NCPR. I'm Monica Sandreski. I'm Todd Moe. Be well.